Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Leighton Hewitt, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast. It is day five, it is Friday, and it has been the most stunning, spectacular, emotional day on Centre Court. A day in which the world number one, one of the greatest tennis players of all time, Serena Williams, was pushed to the very brink by Heather Watson of Great Britain, who just, just came up short. She came back from a set down and she led three love in the third and deciding set. And she was so close to victory, but eventually it was Serena Williams who came through. My name is David Law. I'm part of the BBC Radio 5 Live tennis team. I'm joined by Catherine Whitaker of Live at Wimbledon and Charlie Eccleshell, who's from The Telegraph, who are partners here on the tennis podcast we are also supported by bnp Paribas, the bank for a changing world goodness me what an afternoon we've had Catherine whitaker i'm emotional how about you yeah I certainly am i was hoping for a bit more time to sort of decompress after what's just happened before doing this but uh yeah you'll get the full force of all our uh, emotional reactions it was Spectacular. It was amazing. I mean, I watched it on a TV monitor in the Live at Wimbledon studio with Max Philander, which, and we had a, an amazing view of uh, Henman Hill. Yes, it is Henman Hill. Even, even as people were tweeting where we're going to rename this Heather Hill, it will always be Henman Hill. As far as, the Ordnance Survey call it Henman Hill. So that's, that's as close to written in stone as you can ever get. But Henman Hill was, big words, I know, but as full as I have ever seen it i would include murray matches i would include henman matches in that it was quite extraordinary i was actually concerned about it as a health hazard it was that heaving it was in- absolutely incredible but david i know you were in the commentary box so you're going to be able to trump me completely on my watching experience i i was i was about 20 feet away from the players as they were going through their paces and i did the second set oh my goodness talk about a test of my ability to keep up with the play and not get overexcited. not very good at that now I'll tell you just to give you an idea of just how full this hill was I think it was closed at one point. I don't think people were allowed on it anymore to the point where in order to get a view of what was going on, there were about 100 people crowded around the press window looking through the window to watch the TVs that Charlie and all the other boys were writing at. Charlie, how was it for you? Well, exactly that, yeah. We were sitting there in the press room and people were clambering around uh, from all sides, kind of sneak a peek of uh, of the score and what was going on. Um, it, It was remarkable. 
I mean, we were there and kind of at each minor landmark, we were saying, oh, you know, good for Heather. After the first set, I don't think anyone was, was too confident or indeed surprised. And then she got a break point. And a few of us said, oh, that's good. She's got a break point. Then she got a break. Like, oh, that's good. She got a break. Then she got a set. And it just kind of went on like that. And we were, I mean, all of it, you know, just built and built and built. And we've been pouring over um, at Three Love and Advantage Watson. Williams misses, well, makes a smash by the tiniest of margins. We've been pouring over it, trying to see if it does catch the line. We think it does, but yeah, just overwhelmed, really. Yeah, because she could have challenged that, couldn't she? And she decided not to. She could have done, who knows? It looked, it looks good, but she had three challenges. I'm amazed she didn't, but yeah. Chalk flew up, though. I know it's not chalk now. I know it's titanium pigment, but on the super slow-mo, chalk flew up. And in fact, at that very moment, it's good you brought up that moment, Heather was serving three love. Uh, Mats Verlander said, if she doesn't get this game, she will lose. And she, he actually said it's going to be 6-3, uh, final set to uh, Serena Williams. And it wasn't quite that. It was 7-5. Uh, 7-5 uh, final set? 7-5. But uh, he, he was, I think everybody was thinking this game is really, really important. But I was thinking, she's, at least she's got the double break. You know, this, this game is important, but it's not the be all and end all. Mats Verlander, who knows a million times more than me, said, this is, this is it. She's certainly, the certainty in his voice was staggering. And lo and behold, seven-time Grand Slam champion Mats Verlander got it right. And let's be honest, Serena Williams showed at that point, didn't she, why she is the great player, the truly great champion, possibly the greatest tennis player of all time that she is. Because it wasn't just about tennis out there. She had to go into the trenches. She was fighting 15,000 people. You can't take it away from her. It was barely about tennis at all. I mean, she wasn't playing good tennis. I mean, her forehand had broken down completely. I think if if there was to be any criticism of Heather Watson at all, I think it would be she, perhaps she should have played to Serena's forehand a little bit more in that final set. But you, again, you could say that what changed was that the play was being taken out of her hands and Serena had taken it back into her hands. So she, she perhaps didn't have that decision to make. Because Serena's forehand had, had pretty much gone and she looked so sluggish around the court and uh, all Annabelle Croft and Mats Verlander were, were saying was just how tense she was. They, they, they could physically see the tension in her body and I'm sure you, you could too from up close um, and then somehow she from two breaks down I think when Heather went one break up everyone was thinking okay this is good but let's not get overexcited at Serena Williams but from two breaks up Wow, that, it was quite something to come back. Oh, I was definitely getting overexcited. Charlie, what was the atmosphere like in the press room? Because, I mean, I think people tend to imagine that the journalists sit there just tapping away at their keyboards, but you get involved, don't you? You do, very much. I think the challenge, is, as you said, is uh, trying to not get too emotionally involved and kind of keep your focus on, on the match and, and the bigger picture. I just want to say one thing on that. Uh, what Serena Williams still has is this incredible aura. And I think it's interesting when you watch someone like Rafa Nadal, seeing how that seems to have kind of faded away and just how important that is. Once you lose that, it's very difficult to have it back. Serena still has that in spades. I mean, we've seen it so many times. So at the French Open, Tamea Baczynski, she's playing Serena. As it looked, she could barely move. And yet Serena came storming back and won at six love. So, you know, it's just, it's so, it's so difficult for Heather. And, um, and I agree, tactically, maybe she's got a few things wrong, but you know, keeping that cool head is, is tricky. I have to say, as much as I've always admired Heather Watson, the fighter, and as a very, very good tennis player, I didn't think she was that good. She was unbelievable today. That was the level of form that if she's able to reproduce that on a regular basis, she could go a lot higher than I ever thought she could. 
Yeah, Mats Verlander. I'm, all I'm doing on this tennis podcast is regurgitating the wisdom of Mats Verlander. But if you've heard that wisdom, why wouldn't you use it? Because um, it's it's far greater than mine. He said if she can just sneak three percentage points here and there on, uh, you know, whether it be on her serve or on her backhand, if she can sneak three percentage points, she can be a top player. He didn't say she can be a Grand Slam champion, but he said she can be a top player which I think is really significant and I think probably after today she'll be thinking I'm capable of that certainly her forehand surprised me today I I hadn't seen her forehand look that that good ever before I mean after the match it was put to Serena that you know could, could Heather be a top 20 player and Serena said she should be aiming higher than that and that's pretty you know that's pretty high praise coming from Serena Williams so and, and indeed she should certainly that. is now one of the jobs I had immediately after match point was to go out onto the player lawn and just to give you an idea this is a, a little grassy area that is just uh, halfway up between the players locker room and where they go to have their their lunch the player restaurant and normally it's particularly in the first week it's a hive of activity people milling around players coaches entourages family members it was utterly deserted in that final game because nobody was just pottering around. Everybody was glued to a television set somewhere. And then quickly upon match points when that finished, Judy Murray came over towards me and, well, I don't think she really wanted to see me, but I put my enormous frame in front of her and uh, didn't get out of the way and politely asked if she would speak to me for BBC Radio 5 Live and lo and behold, she was polite enough to do so. But she was clearly very emotional herself and she was wearing dark sunglasses and, uh, and I think it... it it was very clear that ha how close Heather was. She's obviously the, the Fed Cup captain of Great Britain. She sat on the sidelines when Heather Watson has played these incredible matches before. And she was mightily impressed. But I think more importantly, she was just hoping that Heather Watson can take what she did today into the future. I've no doubt that she will. I really, I really don't think she will. She's very level-headed actually Heather Watson and I uh, and I think she's just old enough now to not let the occasion of this get to, you know she, it's not like she's 17 and this is her first moment on the big stage I think she's old enough to be able to m make this as positive an experience as it as it possibly possibly can be I'm not too worried on that front sort of long-term fact I think this can only be positive for her and I thought I'd seen a motion in Judy Murray until I ran into Diego Verinelli the man that travels the world with Heather Watson and 45 weeks a year he's basically in her company he flies with her he eats every single meal with her he sits on the sidelines he puts her through his her training paces I mean I felt sorry for the guy that I was coming up to him and asking him if he would speak to us on Radio 5 Live and good enough to do so he was and he looked at me and he said I, I'm not sure I can talk but you know he did talk and I mean he was in an a total gentleman he was utterly charming but he was clearly absolutely shaken to the core and the gist of it was I think I asked him how proud are you of what you saw today from Heather Watson he said I I'm proud but I'm, I'm actually really sad because we didn't go out there to play a decent match we went out there to win Heather Watson was going out there to win that match and really she should have done because of where she got to. And that's the bottom line, isn't it? They will, you know, I, I, I think we have to ask, is this a massive missed opportunity? Yes, of course it is. Of course it is. She served for the match against Serena Williams. But that doesn't mean she should... Um, yeah, it's a missed opportunity without doubt. But that doesn't mean she should dwell on that missed opportunity. She should dwell on the positives of it. And I think that is fantastic to hear from her coach that she went out to win that. How many times have we... 
rather suspected, not just, it's not just a British thing, of course, but we focus on the British. How many times have we seen a, a, a plucky Brit, as we say, get a set from a top player and sort of, and after the match, them not be quite as disappointed as you'd want them to be. So I hope she's devastated. It sounds like she will be, judging by uh, her coach's reaction. So, but I think that's exactly right. I think that's the best way that she can be right now. And then, you know, give it a couple of days and then move on. Just give us an idea, Charlie. What is it like now in Telegraph headquarters? Because, you know, when that was unfolding, you were saying that the, the reaction was this. Oh, she's got a break. She's got a set. But what, what will be happening with the newspaper? Because I imagine that based on what happens with the results, it's going to change certainly in terms of its tone. But what about the space of the newspaper? I mean, did, would it alter significantly? I mean, it was dramatic either way. Yeah, I think blind panic is probably the best way to describe what's happening now. No, um, it, it has changed hugely. I mean, we you kind of keep track. Um, you can see kind of how the paper's building for the next day. And obviously, yeah, I mean, this was... We thought unless something major happened elsewhere, going to be the big story. But then it's just kind of overtaken everything else to the point where now, yeah, I mean, we've got much more content on it than we thought we would. Because let's face it, watching that first set was 6-2. I think we're all thinking this is going to be a kind of 6-2, 6-3 job. And, and that would have been fine, but it, it's not hugely interesting. Now all of a sudden, yeah, you've got kind of reports, you've got colour pieces, you've got you know, separate quotes, you've got texture kind of showing how the match unfolded, showing that crucial fourth game of the third set, you know, really getting into the nitty gritty because that's all anyone's talking about, let's face it. So yeah, it's, it's, it would have changed a lot over the last couple of hours. I was going to say, I haven't seen Simon Briggs for about three hours. <laughs> I don't think I want to run into him. I think he's going to be a bit stressed today. Uh, but anyway, he'll be busily beavering away writing the reports that you'll read on the Telegraph website and in the newspaper tomorrow. Catherine Whitaker wants to say something? Well, can I just say that Serena now faces, I know all the focus is on Heather Watson and and rightly so, but Serena now faces Venus Williams, who sailed through her third round match. I think life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel. And Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. This is the most intriguing Serena Venus encounter there has ever been. Oh, yeah. 
I forgot that. <laughs> Serena against Venus next, everybody. I've never really looked forward to the matches between Serena and Venus because all the reasons that everybody knows, they've, generally speaking, been disappointing. And this one could be... But for me, it's, I mean, Venus is playing far better tennis, far, far better tennis. She was extraordinary today. And uh, it's, well, she's a five-time champion here. Court three and court two and court two so far. Yeah, it's, an, it's, a, it's a joke. It really is for a five-time champion. I mean, remember when Pete Sampras, I, I know Sampras won it seven times, but he was put on court two once. And there was outrage, absolute outrage. But yeah, I mean, Serena, after the game, um, again, I keep quoting Serena, she said uh, Venus is in much better form than she is. You know, that, that may be a bluff. Uh, we don't know. But I think as well, Serena and Venus are part of what, um, as well as all the sister uh, relationship, I think the fact they played each other so often brought a bit of tedium. It's now, I think, six years since they played each other in a slam. And that in itself as well adds another element. There, there is more intrigue to it now. And gosh, can you imagine Venus denies Serena the Serena in the calendar slam? That would just be huge. Oh, we really must look forward to that and savour it. it. It may never happen again. Let's be honest. These are two players now that have been going at it for the best part of two decades I think it's fantastic that they get to meet. I mean, I, I feel a bit sorry for Heather Watson. She did an amazing job, but ultimately it will be Serena Williams against her elder sister Venus in a match that we'll be able to follow on Monday. What else has happened today? Has anything else happened today? Oh, quite. Yet so much other stuff has happened today. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, I feel, I feel sorry for the editors that are having to put the paper together tomorrow. I mean, at least there's one very clear lead story uh, domestically. But, I mean, Grigor Dimitrov beaten pretty resoundingly by Richard Gasquet. And uh, as I said in earlier podcasts, I just hope... For me, that's not a surprise. You'll, you'll see from my predictions on the Telegraph website that I did, I did expect that to happen. But I just hope... There's a bit of soul-searching going on in the Dimitrov camp because this isn't the first disappointing loss that he's had this season. Um, and I've just been a little bit perturbed by how little reflection there's been from him. I mean, it's great to see him happy and enjoying tennis. Of course you want that. That's what we like about him. But I do think this is a crisis now. And I think he needs to be analysing that a bit and really doing some soul-searching and making some decisions. I don't necessarily mean that means think that means getting rid of Roger Rashid because he's done great things for him but maybe it means doing something like Djokovic did like keeping Marion Vida but getting a Boris Becker on board maybe it means something like that get someone else in or maybe just a different approach something needs to change certainly yeah I mean it's amazing what a difference a year makes because 12 months ago he beats Murray gets the semi Djokovic beats him in four really tight sets and I think everyone's thinking this is a future slam winner in the making so, you know soon and we're not talking years away but he's 24 now and I agree with you Catherine he, he just isn't really improving in fact he seems to be regressing and it's a shame because I think everyone wants him to be good you know he's got this glamour around him he's got this gorgeous single-handed backhand and it just doesn't seem to be working. And I have to say, I was, I was surprised when I saw your predictions uh, this morning that you'd, that you'd gone for Gasquet. I really, uh, you know, was, was back in Dimitrov. But he does keep letting me down. And <laughs> I think... Well, I predicted Dimitrov to win as well, I have to be honest. But it was, I have to say, I hadn't checked the head-to-head. And when I got in here and saw that it was Love 4 against Gasquet, I was a little bit, oh... I wonder if anybody's seen me actually make that prediction. I might be just slipping a quick gas game. Charlie's fitting right in on the tennis podcast, isn't he? Feeling let down by Grigor Dimitrov. We've had about, well, it's about, I mean, not quite a decade, but it's more than half a decade of feeling slightly disappointed in him. We still like him, though, don't we? Of course, we, he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant, hence the disappointment. That's why it hurts so much, just unfulfilled talent. And, yeah, he... 
there's two ways of looking at him being 24. There is still time, but he does need to be making those big decisions because, you know, 24 isn't 18. Yeah, pull your finger out, Grigor. And now, uh, meeting Richard Gasquet in the next round will be Nick Kyrgios, who we had a lot of discussion about yesterday, Charlie. My word, it got a bit tasty up here. Simon Briggs and Catherine Whittaker against me. But Nick Kyrgios has showed what he's made of today, hasn't he? I mean, he's knocked out the guy who beat him here last year, Milos Raonic. I absolutely love Nick Kyrgios. I think he's great value. I thought it was a funny thing today because you kind of had, between the two players, you kind of had the average amount of emotion that a tennis player should give. You have Milos Raonic who gives literally zero and Nick Kyrgios who gives everything. And so between them, it was it was about fair. But no, Nick Kyrgios, um, he, he played superbly and he's great fun. You know, I was talking to people today who aren't huge tennis fans even and they were saying he's the kind of player you just, you can't turn off the TV. And that's not true of a lot of players. And uh, he's serving huge. He's got a really good chance. Andy Roddick will be here next week working for the BBC. He'll be on the tennis uh, team on the TV and on our Radio 5 Live team. He said to me, to Catherine and I recently in an interview we did, he said, I used to love Hawkeye. I used to think it was great. I don't want it anymore, though, because, you know, it takes away the confrontation and the, the business of tennis and sports is eyeballs on TV sets and you're guaranteed eyeballs on TV sets with Nick Kyrgios. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I basically completely agree. I think he's great. I love watching him. I see Nick Kyrgios on the schedule and I think, brilliant, I want to watch. But I don't want to see him throwing rackets into the crowd. There is a line there. It's an accident. Was it? An, well, it was an accident when Tim Hemman hit a ball at a ball goal back in the day and he got defaulted for that. I mean, I'm not... I'm, I'm pleased... Nick Kyrgios wasn't defaulted today. I'm just saying he's lucky and he can't carry on doing things like that. On a lighter note, my favourite moment of the whole day was the fact that he wore a Wimbledon-branded headband and was uh, told that it was a violation <laughs> violation of the uh, clothing policy and uh, in, instead of taking it off, he just turned it inside out. I mean, Brilliant. Yeah. Hey, hey, all white clothing, uh, the way they've gone more severely and more, more the restrictions have been enforced more for or against? Well, I think it's strange because Wimbledon actually, for all of its uh, kind of stuffy reputation, has been very progressive and has modernised in a way that some of the slams haven't. I'm thinking the roof and things like that. Um, but So it just seems strange. It seems slightly at odds with the kind of 21st century modern Wimbledon to be so militant about it. You know, I don't think... I don't think any fans would be hugely upset if a little bit of colour was let in. I would be. You would be? Yeah, I'm absolutely for the all-white, 100% look-like-a-snowman outfit. And the reason is, this is Wimbledon, it is different, why do we have to be like everywhere else? The unique selling position of this tournament is the all-white clothing, or one of them. And I'm not having it that we're going to change. All right, Charlie, you're welcome on this tennis podcast anytime you like, but we're not doing that. Don't mean to gang off me, Charlie, but I completely agree with David. First of all, if something's worth doing, if that's going to be your policy, why, you know, why do it by half measures? Enforce it as strictly as possible, I think. And also, I, I take your point about um, Wimbledon being very progressive, and that's brilliant. But I think what it is, what the club and the tournament has done most superbly is balance that amazing progressiveness with the, with fierce protection of its tradition and I think it's taken the call that that is one tradition that is so uniquely Wimbledon we need to fiercely protect it and I actually think that the juxtaposition of that sort of anachronistic all-white almost going 
back, you know, almost going back in time with, you know, the, the amazingly futuristic roof and all the rest of it. I think that's beautiful. Me too. Let us know what you lot think at Tennis Podcast. Give us your opinions, all white clothing or not. Well, I've already made up my mind, but maybe, maybe you can convince me otherwise. Let's just have a quick look at the order of play before we uh, sign off for another night here on the Tennis Podcast. It's Friday night and the sun is uh, setting. It's a beautiful day. It's been once more. The tea is getting a bit blowy out here. And actually, we're getting a bit wet. It's not rain. It's a bit of the sprinkler spray drifting into our faces. What have we got for the order of play, Charlie? Well, again, I mean, it's a cracking order of play. Um, so Federer opens up on centre court against big serving Samuel Groth uh, of Australia. Then you've got Jankovic Kvitova. That should, you know, should be interesting. Kvitova has absolutely cruised so far. She spent 92 minutes uh, in her two matches combined, which is crazy, really. Uh, then Seppi Murray. Any, any concerns for Murray against Seppi? Well, they've played six times and Murray hasn't dropped a set. I think we were all right then. Uh, well, yeah, although one thing I would say on that is that Federer was beaten by Seppi at the Australian Open and Federer went in with a 10-love head-to-head record. So, yeah, you never know. Well, absolutely. Catherine, thoughts? Uh, and Murray in three, in my thoughts. OK. Uh, what else we got there, Charlie, uh-huh. on court one? Then you move on to court one. You've got Caroline Wozniacki, who's going, who's going well. Um, hey, did you, she's playing against Camilla Georgi. Did you see the little tra- press transcript uh, exchange that Caroline Wozniacki had about that? She was asked about Camilla Georgi a couple of times didn't take kindly to it at all. She said, look, I'm not inside her head. Go and ask her. Yeah, it was an extraordinary reaction. I mean, to, to perfectly reasonable questions. Um, anyway, after that, you've got James Ward, which is obviously huge. He plays Vasic Pospisil. Oh, and what do we think there? You, uh, uh, let's go. I sort of gave my thoughts last night. Listen to last night's podcast if you want that. So let's hit oh, Charlie's charming. thoughts. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I think naturally I'm quite pessimistic about Brits. I think, I, I, I think it will be close. I think Pospisil, he might just have a little bit too much for James Ward. I really, really hope I'm wrong. You're not feeling the inspiration of the last couple of hours there, Charlie? Uh, that's true, but then that was still a narrow defeat, wasn't it? So It was against Serena Williams, the all-time great. Yeah. That's true, that's true. Uh, I think it will be Pospisil in five. Okay, well, you don't get to have a go at the predictions because it's Simon Briggs. Just to add a little bit to what I said last night, what worries me is the number number of people I've spoken to today who have used the words, ooh, the door is really opening up for James Ward, isn't it? I think that's a bit of a problem that that he, even if he's not read any papers or listened to anything today, he will be aware of that fact. And I don't think James is, is mentally weak. I think that would get to any person that's inexperienced in this position in a Grand Slam. I think that's a factor. Well, it's so interesting, isn't it? And, and just to put it into context as well, it is opening up, but Pospisil is, I think, 56 in the world, Ward's 111. So, you know, we are still talking... I know it's on grass, which Ward favours, but, but, you know, then Pospisil's the reigning men's doubles champ here. So, you know, that's, it's not an easy match. There is one match that's still going on, isn't there? Because Marin Cilic was two love up in the fifth set against John Isner when I last looked. Have we got an update there, Catherine Whitaker? Now, let's just see if your phone is going to fire into action. What's going on? Before uh, before I came out here to record the tennis podcast, I was watching Goran Vision, which was amazing. It was the uh, the cameras were cutting to Goran in the players' box pretty much between every single point because mm-hmm. it was. It's. I mean, that's that's uh, that's a TV channel in itself, pretty oh, it's much. It's 5-4 Chilich and its advantage, isn't it? So I don't think we're going to be able to stay on air until it finishes. What else we got on the order of play? Anything else of note? What's the final match on there? You've got Monfils Simon, which should be really good fun. Um, to well, Monfils, as we know, is probably you know one of the biggest mavericks on the tour. Simon is also a love, beautifully crafty kind of player. Um, oh, and Dustin Brown, do enjoy Show Court Three, won't you? 
Yeah, I mean, they've got they've got a great lineup actually on court three because you've got um, Dustin Brown, Victor Troitsky, you say, and then Songa v. Karlovic. I know Karlovic isn't the most fun player to watch, but Songa certainly is. So, yeah, I mean, I mean that Brown match, I think I was looking at this and all three of the guys who beat Nadal, you know, the big upsets last year, then lost in the next round. And it would be great if Brown could buck that trend. I think everyone here would love him in the second week. Tough match for him, though, yeah. against Victor Troitsky. I think we might have to have that as our wild card match, and I, I think I know who I'm going for. Listen, it's been great talking to Catherine Whittaker and to Charlie of The Telegraph here on the Tennis Podcast, which is brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We are supported by BNP Paribas, the bank for a changing world. Go to the Telegraph Sport website overnight. I'll tell you what, you'll need about four hours to read all the stuff that gonna, that's going to be on there. Go to the wearetennis.com website. Tell everybody you know on Twitter and Facebook about the Tennis Podcast. Everybody needs to subscribe to this show. And to listen to us, we like speaking to you. Hope you enjoy it too. Speak to you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 